Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Father, we thank you for this morning. We praise you, God, that you are so mighty. God, so many messages, and you've already done so much already this morning, Father, and I can just feel the movement of your presence in this place, and I just praise you, God, in advance for the work that you're up to, the work that you're doing, and the work that you're going to do. Father, we praise you for your love. We thank you for the work on the cross. And Lord, I pray for clarity to come from your word of God. I pray for the spirit of revelation knowledge to just fall in this place. God, that as we read your word, Father, that we wouldn't just receive a written word, but we would receive a revealed word, because we know that your word says that the word of God is a double-edged sword. It's alive, it's active, it pierces, and it penetrates into the invisible parts of every man and woman. And so, Father, as your word goes forth, I call on you, a God of your promises, to keep your promise to us that we would receive more than just spoken in written words. But, Father, that our spirits and our souls would be pierced with your love and with your message in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, before I get started, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of take a, a leap of faith. I'm not really going to jump off here. I've honestly really never done this before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally speak on faith right now, and I'm going to say this because I can tell by the way my body is feeling. I honestly believe somebody's going to receive a healing this morning, and I'm totally speaking that on faith just because I can tell. I don't know if you can see my body is like trembling. The spirit is just on me, and I know that typically what that means, and so I'm just saying that because God says you see things that are not, you call them as if they are. We speak on faith and they will happen. And so I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. If there's somebody in here who is in need of a healing, I, I just ask you to just go back to the Lord and really ask if today is your day that you're going to receive that. I wanted to talk to you this morning about peace. And I know it's interesting because Pastor kind of even talked about peace a little bit this morning. And I want us to talk about the concept of God, Jehovah Shalom. And I've really been thinking a lot lately about this concept of peace. And I really, and I'm part of what we do as counselors is uh, we counsel people who are desperately looking for and in de- desiring peace in their lives. Whether it's peace in their mind or peace in their past, whether it's peace in their future, peace in their finances, peace in their marriage, peace in their relationship with their children, they're looking for peace. And I believe that peace is one of the most greatest basic human needs that every single one of us has. And I believe that peace represents the greatest measure of contentment and satisfaction. When we look at God in the seven days of creation, on the seventh day, he rested. The very example of what it means to be content with all the work that he had done, he was able to sit back and rest in peace knowing that he was satisfied with the work that he had done. Now, I think if every single one of us were honest with ourselves, we would say, every day when I wake up, when I come home and I complete the day, what I want more than anything is to settle in my bed and say, it's been good, and I can rest, and I feel content, and I feel satisfied, and I feel at peace. And so I've been really kind of looking into this concept of peace. Pastor mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago just the facets of God, all the different facets of God and how he's always revealing more and more and more of us of who he is. 
And I believe it's the same even with this concept of peace that we come into this understanding of what we define as peace, right? The freedom from strife or a state of tranquility, that that's what peace is. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3 that we should seek peace and pursue it. What does that mean? What does it mean to seek peace? I mean, I just thought it's something that you would have. What does it mean to seek it and pursue it, to get after it? It's a challenge, a charge, if you will, that God is giving to us to say, look, I want you to seek peace and I want you to pursue it. And I want us to ask ourselves, are we living in the fullness of God's peace? As I've really been studying this concept of peace, the other night I was sleeping and uh, it was kind of one of those nights was a little bit restless and I knew that, that the Spirit was working on some things in my heart and my mind. I've really been thinking a lot about this concept of peace. And so I kept kind of waking up, not, not completely waking up, but the point is this, is I was aware of almost like a bubble over my, my bed. Yeah. It's like a, uh, like a shield, okay? And on the other side of this, I was very aware of all kinds of warfare going on. Now, if I were to sit here and tell you I could see it, I, I couldn't see it. It was a sensing, it was a knowing, uh, an awareness of, of battle going on all around. And for whatever reason, there was this shield and every time I would wake up and I would sense the shield and knew that there was all this, this strife and tension and battling going on on the other side of this, I knew that the Lord just kept speaking to me, I am Jehovah Shalom. And it was like he was showing me what it means for him to be peace. That he has put me in this bubble, if you will, where there's this battle going on all around me, but he was revealing to me that he himself is peace. That's what it tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. That he himself is our peace. In Isaiah 9, 6, we know that, that it's prophesied that Jesus is the what? The prince of peace. The prince of peace. And, and I know that the Bible tells me that I'm created in the image of God. And so part of the purpose for my creation is to reflect the image of God and the peace of God. But I can't reflect the peace of God if I'm not living the fullness of his peace. See, when we walk in the fullness of his peace, we actually fulfill part of our purpose. We're supposed to be peace to people. We're supposed to live, give people peace. We're supposed to teach them how to walk in peace. But part of the problem is we ourselves aren't living in the peace that God has given to us. And I don't think we've even come to understand the fullness of what this peace means. God has given us peace. We know in Galatians 5.22 it says he's given us a fruit of peace. In Psalm 29.11 says the Lord blesses his people with what? With peace. All right, so we have the fullness of peace living within us. I was talking to my staff the other day and I said the things that come and bring confusion into my life, the things that come and, and buy to complicate things, the things that come in the form of stress, these things should vex our spirit because they are a detriment to the spirit of peace that God has given to us. And we have got to come to a place where we're like, man, you and I cannot coexist because right now you're vexing the spirit that God has put within me. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to address it that way, but I'm saying inside of us, we should see these things, the things in our lives that come to steal our peace, we should recognize them as a detriment to the spirit of peace that God has given to us. When we come into a relationship with Christ, when we receive the fullness of the blood shed on the cross, 
we come to peace with God. And then he pours out his spirit within us and we receive peace from God. But unfortunately, I think a lot of us never really even get past that and we never begin to live in the peace of God. You understand what I'm saying? We get peace with God. We receive through the Spirit peace from God, but we never take it to that next step and realize what it means to live in the peace of God. We spend the majority of our life, even as Christians, trying to accumulate peace from God instead of just walking in the fullness of his peace. So how do we get from here to there? Jesus says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. But his peace is not like the world's peace. He says, I don't give as the world gives. I don't give you peace like the world does. So stop trying to accumulate peace like the world does. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love that word troubled in the Greek. It means to agitate. And and I want you to get this visual. It means to agitate or trouble a thing by moving its parts to and fro. Okay, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody feel like you woke up this morning, you've woke up this week or sometime, and your nerves are just like this, uh, or your thoughts are like this, or even your, just your days like this, right? And he says, I don't want you to be troubled. It's an inward commotion that the enemy comes and plants inside of us, and it sets us going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the Bible says that men like that are double-minded. They're unstable in all that they do, and they shouldn't think they're going to receive anything from God. That's what it tells me in James chapter 1. And that's the kind of peace that God has come to address. Now, I want to take a look at the Greek word of peace. Everywhere, all those passages that I just read to you, the Greek word there is arane. And that means a state of tranquility, but it's more than that. It's security, it's safety, and it's prosperity. And Pastor addressed that this morning, how that word peace and prosperity scripturally is so interchangeable. And and if we were honest with ourselves, I think some of us are afraid to really claim and say that God has restored my prosperity. There's a fear there of saying that. There's a fear of even the the prosperity message and all of that, a fear of embracing that, that possibly might be true. But if we look at the fullness of that word shalom in the Hebrew, it means peace completeness, safety, soundness, health, prosperity, fruitfulness, and abundance. See, we know that the Bible says that God gives us peace like a river, right? So I picture a river, and it's calm, and it's just flowing back and forth, just nice and easy. But that's really not what a river is like. A river is filled with rapids. It's filled with rough spots, and it's filled with smooth spots, So he's given us peace that doesn't look like the world tells us it's going to look. In Ezekiel 47, God describes describes the river of God, and he says what? Where the river flows, everything will live. That the fruit trees, the fruit will bear all kinds of fruit, whether it's in season or out of season, because the river of God flows to it. And then it talks about how these trees on the side will bear all kinds of fruit, and it says that the fruit is good for food, and the leaves are good for healing. That's the peace of God. It's filled with the fullness of fruit. It's filling with, filled with health. It's filled with completeness. It's filled with prosperity. In season or out of season, these treats were fruitful. They were fruitful. God tells us that he is Jehovah Shalom. 
when he says that, he's revealing so much more to us than just the freedom from strife. We know that in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts to give you peace, right? In some of those versions, it says that. Other versions, it says, I know the plans I have to you, plans to what? Prosper you. See, we see that peace and that prosperity is so interchangeable, the fullness of the gospel. Reaping the peace of God. So why aren't we reaping the peace of God? I want us to read from Judges chapter 6. If you have your Bible, turn to Judges chapter 6. Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them from before you and I gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where he, his son Gideon, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Okay, I'm going to stop there. And I want us to take a look at the fact, and I want you to see this. They're living in the promised land. Okay, they, they've received what God has given to them. But they're not living and reaping the fullness of it. And I really want us to stop and think about why aren't we reaping the fullness of shalom peace? And we're going to read on this passage where Gideon basically refers and says, I'm going to build an altar and call God Jehovah Shalom. He calls it Jehovah Shalom because he knew that in this act, in this day, what God was doing was he was restoring the fullness of peace to Israel. Now remember when I say peace, I'm not just talking about the freedom from strife. We read in this passage, it talks about how everything was being stolen from them by the Midianites. That word Midian means strife. And if we were honest with ourselves, many of us have received Christ, we've come to a place where we are at peace positionally with God, but there are all kinds of ites in our life that are stealing 
all of the prosperity that God has given to us. And that's exactly what we see happening in here, right? We've got our depressionites, our angerites, our hateites, our fearites, my financialites, all these ites. And God says, I've delivered you from every eye you can possibly think of. I've brought you in here. I am the Lord God who brought you out of Egypt, and I brought you into this place. What is your problem? You have forsaken the living God. You have not listened to me. You have not done what I've told you to do. And now everything, all the work of your hand, really is in vain. It's being stolen from you. It's being stripped. And you are impoverished. That word impoverished means feeble and oppressed. Man, I'm talking to some Christians in our culture right now. Now, I know a lot of people who are at peace with God, but they're living a life feeble and oppressed. Now, I said last time I talked about how God has created us to be oaks of righteousness, but we're walking around like weeping willows, beaten, bruised, stripped, stolen. All the goodness that God has given to us, we're just giving it away. There's a, I think it's King Hezekiah that just gives his riches away from the temple to make a treaty with the enemy. Man, we read that and we're like, oh, that wasn't very smart. But guess what? If we were honest with ourselves, many of us are doing that every day. Man, when we embrace a thought of negativity, we give our joy away. When we embrace a thought of failure, we give our prosperity and success away. We're just giving it away day after day after day. And then we want to wonder why we're not living in the peace of God. One of the reasons why, and I'm going to kind of sidetrack here for a minute because I think this is really important. I'm afraid that one of the reasons why we're not reaping the fullness of the gospel message, because if we were honest, the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of what? Peace. Now, when I say peace, remember, I'm not talking about how we think of peace. I'm talking about preaching the gospel of completeness, wholeness, peace, prosperity, fruitfulness, soundness. Preaching the full gospel of peace. That word gospel there means good news. In the original context, it actually means too good to be true news. And actually, before Christ came, they hardly ever even used that word because there was nothing that was too good to be true enough that they could actually apply the word to. But when Christ came, they applied the word gospel to the very essence in the life of Jesus Christ because it was too good to be true news. But we have condensed the gospel message. Too many people have condensed the gospel message to just hell, fire, and brimstone. You're a sinner. You're condemned to hell, and that's where you're going. And guess what? That's not good news. That's not what we're called to preach. That is not good news. I'm not saying it's not true. Don't hear me saying that. That is very true. But the good news is that Jesus died on the cross. On the third day, he rose again. And we can have the fullness of life, be restored with God, be more than just peace with God, be at peace from God, and live in the peace of God. That's the good news. When we study the four concepts of full atonement of Christ, and this is, I'm just going to be honest with you, this has been a big, huge epiphany for me because it, a lot of you guys know I come from a denominational background. But I'm studying that word, the Greek word sozo, right? Where it's interpreted into the English word salvation. Everywhere where Jesus talks about you've received salvation, it's that Greek word sozo when he's talking about your relationship with Christ. Sometimes in the English, it's translated into the word saved. 
Sometimes it's translated into the word forgiven. Sometimes it's translated into the word healed. Sometimes it's translated into the word delivered. And sometimes it's translated into the word restored. And it's the concept of your financial blessings being restored or your prosperity being restored. So when I read this, I sit here and I think to myself, the full gospel message is not just the redemption and the forgiveness of your sins, but it's the healing in your body, the completeness and the soundness that God brings. It's the deliverance from demonic oppression and possession, and it's the restoration of your full blessings and prosperity. All four concepts. But if we were honest, we hear about 25% of the gospel. That's what we're hearing. We're hearing all about the redemption and the forgiveness of your sins. And we wonder why people aren't reaping the other 75%. Because we're not preaching it. God is going to confirm what's preached. People ask me all the time, hey, if God still performs miracles, why am I not seeing it? Is your church preaching it? If you're not preaching it, you're not going to see it. Now I'm telling you right now, I'm going to start preaching it. The full gospel message, 85% of Americans believe that God exists, but only 15% have enough evidence that they would go to jail for it. Why is that? Because there's a disconnect there. Our culture has deemed a relationship with Jesus as irrelevant to their life. Why? Because we've made it a heaven or hell issue and that's it. They have no idea that God came not to just save you eternally, but he wants to rescue you in this lifetime. And so there's a disconnect there. Our culture has deemed their relationship with Christ as irrelevant. And part of that is our fault. Because we are not meeting the body, the soul, and the spirit, the full needs of everybody. Somebody has a headache, we offer them an ibuprofen. If you're struggling with depression, we send them to a psychiatrist. If they have a backache, we send them to a doctor. What happened to the full gospel message? If we want to reap the full gospel message, and I'm talking, remember, the gospel of what? Shalom. Arane. I'm not just talking peace. I'm not just talking the freedom from strife. I'm talking about completeness, wholeness, soundness, health, prosperity, sign me up. Man, I've been looking for that my whole life. I'm talking about the full gospel message. We have got to get back. If we want to reap that, we need to start living it. We need to start living it, preaching it, believing it. People often say, just like Gideon says in here, why don't we see these miracles? Why aren't we seeing these miracles in church? Why aren't we seeing these miracles here in America? I said before, I believe that God confirms what is preached, and I find it interesting that they're in the exact same position. And Gideon says, if you are with me, God, if you are with me, then where are all these signs and miracles? If you are with me, where are all these signs and miracles and wonders that our forefathers have told us about? See, we hear about it, we read in the Bible, people tell us stories and we say, well, I believe that. But then we go to bed every night going, where are all the signs? Where are all the miracles? Where have they gone? Where have they gone? I think it's important to note that they were living in the promised land but they were living in poverty. 
They were living impoverished. They were being stripped. They were being beaten. They were being abused. Everything that they had was being stolen, and they were left hiding in the cleft of a rock. How sad is it that a time of celebration when the wheat comes in and they should be threshing their wheat on a threshing floor high on a mountaintop, that's how they would do it, yet he was hiding under a tree threshing his wheat through a wine press. That's pathetic. God has given us wheat. The harvest has come. And he wants us to take that wheat and start threshing it on a threshing floor, celebrating up where everybody can see and say, look at what God has done. Isn't it good? And I'm not afraid of you stealing because it's mine. God died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross to give it to me, and I receive it to the full. Not just the peace, but the full gospel message. The full gospel message. We're not reaping the fullness of the shalom of God. In the very beginning, it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of God. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Part of the reason why we're not walking in the fullness of God is we're not walking in the fullness of his commands. I just want to read to you I'm from Leviticus chapter 26. And, and many of us are familiar with it, but I'm going to read it. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season. And the ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest and the grape harvest will continue until the planting and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant what? Peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will remove savage beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. And your enemies will fall by the sword before you. And then he says this, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest, when you have to move it out to make room for the new. Come on. Come on. Our God has not changed. Something has happened. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God, who what? Brought you out of your Egypt, so that you will no longer be slaved. To the Egyptians, I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with your heads held high, not hiding in a cleft, not hiding in a cave. Oppressiveness, what does that do? Oh, it's that heaviness that comes upon us, that keeps us hiding, that comes down on us. The full gospel message, we see it prophesied in Isaiah 61. What does it say? Spirit of God, the master, I'm going to read it actually in the message. He sent me to preach good news to the poor, heal the heartbroken, announce freedom to the captives, pardon all the prisoners. He sent me to announce the year of his grace and his favor, a celebration of God's destruction to our enemies. He will put a praising heart in, instead of a languid spirit. He will rename them oaks of righteousness, planted by the God, a display, his glory. And then it says what? 
You will, they'll rebuild old ruins, raise a new city out of wreckage. They'll start over the old, the ruined cities, take the rubble left from behind and make it new. He goes on to say, you'll feast on the bounty of the nations. You'll bask in their glory because you get a double dose for your trouble. And more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy will go on forever. The full gospel message. I didn't see anything in there that just limited the gospel message to just the forgiveness of your sins and the redemption. Man, I'm hearing healing. I'm hearing deliverance. I'm hearing prosperity. I'm hearing this is what Jesus is. The anointing is on me to come and bring restoration in your relationship with God, healing and wholeness to your body, deliverance from any demonic oppression, possession, and the fullness of prosperity in life. In fact, I'm going to give you a double portion. That's what it says. I'm not making this up. Read it. Isaiah 61. That's the full gospel message. What happened to it? Why aren't we seeing miracles today? Man, we're not talking about it. We're not preaching it, and we're not expecting God for it. I'm expecting God to show up today and bring a healing. I'm just going to say that. I'm expecting it. He says, you lay your requests before me in the morning, and all day long, watch with expectation. Watch with expectation. I'm expecting God to show up. I'm expecting God to heal my body. I'm expecting God to deliver me from any oppression that comes to steal my prosperity. I am expecting God to give me the fullness of shalom that I would not just walk at peace with God, that I wouldn't accumulate peace from God, but I would walk in the fullness of peace of God. You understand what I'm saying? The fullness of peace. The fullness of peace. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 1, Do not forsake my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will what? Prolong your life many years, and what? Bring you prosperity. Walking in the fullness of God's commands. When we walk in the fullness of his commands, we reap the fullness of the gospel message. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the, in the counsel of the wicked or sit at the way of sinners or stand in the way of mockers. He says his delight is on the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water and whatever he does prospers. Meditating on the word of God day and night. Hiding it in your heart. Walking in the fullness of it and you will begin to reap the fullness of the shalom, the peace of God. He says in Isaiah 48, if only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would be like a river and your righteousness the waves of the sea. He tells Joshua 1.8, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it and then you will be what? prosperous and successful. Man, we got to stop giving into the ites of our life. And I want us to think about in Numbers 13, and I love this passage because it's, it's when, when God says, I want you to go and explore the promised land. I want you to see what I have in mind for you. I want you to see the milk and the honey and the fullness of fruit that I've been telling you about. And see, in a sense, it's kind of what I've done today. I said, I want you to see the milk and the honey, the fullness of fruit that God has in mind in the promised land. I want you to see it. So they go and they explore, and they say, you're right. Surely this is the land flowing with milk and honey. Look, we've even brought some of that of the fruit. And then they said, what? But. But the enemy is too strong. Their wall is too fortified. They're too big. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. 
I'm just going to say this. God's butt is always going to be bigger than yours. God, I know you've given me joy, but I'm in depression. But I've given you the fruit of joy. I can't get out of bed today. I don't have enough energy. But I've given you the energy through the Holy Spirit, a dunamis energy, a power, the energio in the Greek, the energy that comes from the Holy Spirit. I don't have enough money, but I'm a God who owns a thousand cattle on a hill. I'm afraid, but I've given you a spirit of boldness and of confidence and of sound mind, not a spirit of timidity. See, I sit in my office so many days and I tell people who God is and how he wants them to live and they respond to me with their butts all day long. And I just keep telling them, God's butt, you can come up with whatever butt you want, but God's butt's always going to be bigger. His butt is bigger than your butt. And now I want to ask you and challenge you and I want us to think about the four full concepts of God's, of Christ's atonement on the cross. Christ's atonement on the cross. Not just the redemption of our sins, but the healing and the completeness and the wholeness that he brings to our body. The deliverance from oppression. Man, some people in here right now, man, you're struggling with anger. You've got that angryite or that unforgiveness, that bitterite. But you don't know what that person's done to me. But God forgave you for all you've done to him. You understand what I'm saying? What's your butt? What is it that's keeping you from the full gospel, the shalom gospel? Forgiveness of sins, healing in your body, deliverance from oppression, and the restoration of your blessings. Man, if you're not reaping all of them, you're missing out. I'm missing out. Jeff talked last week about the idea of repentance, and I think some of us need to repent of our unbelief. Our idolatrous ways, walking in the land of the ites instead of the promises of God, allowing all the ites to steal everything. Look, if we want to see revival, we need to receive revival. We got to start living revived lives. We're walking around feeble and oppressed, and we wonder why God isn't bringing revival. Man, start living or be the revival. The revival's in you, the revival's in me. We gotta receive revival and then walk in the fullness of revival. That word revival means a bringing or coming back into use. Coming back to a place where we're useful and we're relevant to today's culture. Where they see God is relevant to you today. We live in a microwave society, a now society. If we don't make it relevant to them today, they'll say, okay, I'll get saved. And then I'll set that on the back burner and I'm good for eternity. But that means nothing to me in my today. Revival means a coming back into usefulness where we're gonna be purposeful and we're gonna be useful and we're gonna walk in the fullness of God's revival. Every day, I need the Spirit of God to revive me. Every day. We serve the same God that shows up in Ezekiel 37 and rises dry bones up to life and by the very breath of God, they're revived. He has not changed. He has not changed. 
I'm oppressed, or I, I need healing in my body, or I, I, I want, I'm going to claim that prosperity, or maybe you just want to come forward and just confess, man, I haven't been walking in the full commands of God. You know what? I've never even heard that full gospel message. I didn't even realize that all of that was made available to me on the cross. And I don't want to just receive peace with God or peace from God, but I want to receive the peace of God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We worship you. We thank you, God. We watch with expectation as you begin to work in our hearts and our minds, and you restore the full shalom. Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shalom, peace, completeness, soundness, health, prosperity, fruitfulness and abundance in this place. Help us to be the revival. Help us to receive and be the revival. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com.